Hey everybody, before the episode gets started, I just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and uh and happy new year and just uh if you don't celebrate Christmas, you know, just happy holidays and uh spend time with your family and loved ones and uh hope everyone has a has a great holiday. This episode we're gonna be talking about Silent Night Deli Night four initiation and uh I was talking to one of my buddies on Instagram, and uh, he has a podcast, and they covered Silent Night, Daily Night 5, and I told him, well, maybe I'll cover Silent Night, Daily Night Part 4, so that's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, go go check out uh, Matt and, his, and uh, his friend Tristan. They have a podcast called Fun Box Monster Podcast, and... Uh, I think they're on most of the uh podcast platforms. But they're they're a couple cool dudes and uh I listen to them all the time. I think they're they're great, they're hilarious. So go check out their podcast and uh if you want to hear their take on Silent Night Daily Night Five. And uh they, they got a few Christmas ones out there too that's pretty good, so go check them out. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. You're listening to the Rude Horror Podcast with your host, Marcus Rude. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus Rude, aka Rude Horror, and you're listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a Christmas movie question mark i mean i guess it's got a little bit of christmas in it but uh we're gonna be talking about silent night deadly night four initiation this movie was directed by brian usna you might know him as uh, a special effects guru and uh, film director he's done movies he's directed movies such as society bright reanimator Return of the Living Dead 3, Beyond Reanimator, Necronomicon, The Dentist, and Silent Night, Daily Night 4. And he's done other ones too, like The Dentist 2, Rottweiler. I mean, <laughs> some of his other ones are uh, not, as, not as known as some ones I just named off. But uh, this guy's great, man. I, I love his work, and... Uh, didn't know what to expect with this one, but I sort of blew my mind earlier thinking about this movie. <clears throat> and I don't know if I wanted to talk about this first, but since I have it on my mind, um, if you haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, there's going to be some spoilers. But um, So you might want to turn it off now and check it out. But if you've seen Society in Deadly Night, or <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, you'll see that... I mean, this is just my opinion. Like, I don't know what anybody else thinks about this matter, but I almost feel like Silent Night, Daily Night 4 fits better in a society universe. Like, this feels, this movie feels like it could either be a prequel to society or a sequel to society. Um, it, to me, it would make more sense for it to be in uh, the same realm as society because like society 
this movie does not make sense at all. Um, it, it constantly has you wondering what the fuck is going on, and uh, it uh, it just I don't know, man. It, it really has the same feel as society. I mean, it, uh, when they bring uh, and. How do I even explain it? Um, like the worm-looking thing in Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. Um, maybe you could tie that in with uh, how everyone was uh, always fascinated with worms in society. And, uh, you know, a lot of fan theories think that maybe they come from, maybe they are worms or slugs or maybe there's an alien from somewhere, but... Maybe it's tying in, something is tying in those two movies. It, it just, oh, I can't grasp grasp it quite. But, uh, so the similarities would be like the worms. And uh, when, let's see, how to explain this. I mean, because I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, so I apologize. But uh, the lady, the uh, our main girl, <clears throat> um, what's her name? Uh, Kim. When she gets the worm put in her, um, it, it's almost like she's hallucinating, but apparently she's not really hallucinating. But everyone around here is making her feel like she's hallucinating. But when she's in one of those hallucination, you know, quote unquote dream states, she actually turns into something that's very similar to uh the society creatures like her her legs start forming together her fingers start kind of molding together like it just it really felt like like i was watching maybe some some sort of like deleted scenes or something i mean not quite but it really did feel like uh maybe they both can kind of share the same universe just uh and I mean, and that could just be Brian using his uh, special effects, just you know his work. I mean, that you know that could just be how his little trademark work. I mean, I don't know what to say about the wordage right there, but it really, I don't know. It it really does feel like maybe they could share the same universe. I know I'm repeating myself, but. Maybe that's just the style of, of movie making. I don't know. I mean, that could be too. But I don't know if uh, if any of you guys have any uh, more input on some kind of like fan theory of uh, connecting society to Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, let me know. Because I'd love to hear more about if there really is something there. And, I, I mean, I'm not really familiar if maybe Yuzna's said something in an interview somewhere. If, uh, you know, that there's some sort of connection there. I don't know. But I would really like to find out. I don't know why I want to find out. But it's kind of piqued my interest as far as, you know, it would be really cool to see. I mean, it, I don't know. I think it would make the ratings that I put for this movie a lot higher than what. I put for it um, on Letterboxd. I gave it a a two out of five. Now, if 
for some reason it's connected to society somehow um maybe i'll rate it like a three or something i don't know just because i i feel like it would it fits better with society than it does silent night daily night four or the silent night daily night series and like i like a lot of people say uh they kind of took the halloween three aspect for this movie to where it it completely has nothing to do with the other movies you can almost put this as a standalone movie i don't know how well it ties in with silent night daily night five but uh i don't it really has me thinking that maybe yuzna was doing a standalone movie and then he or maybe it was a sequel or prequel to society and it uh wasn't getting the right funds it needs or something and uh so they said, well, let's add some Christmas elements, or maybe there's already some Christmas elements in his movie, and let's just, let's just say, oh, let's just let's slap on Deadly Night, or Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's a tongue twister. Um, let's, just, let's just throw the, the title on it, and that'll rake in more people to watch. I mean, that, that could be maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is just my opinion. But it it definitely would make more sense if they just they put the Silent Night Deadly Night name on this movie as a stamp to to bring in some revenue. Um, so that's my my two cents on that little um, theory. <laughs> but uh, anyways, this movie. Um, was uh, titled <clears throat> Bugs in the UK. It, it was released under the name Bugs, which that would even make more sense than uh, SNDN4. But, uh, you know. Um, the music was composed by Richard Band. You might know his work in a lot of the Full Moon movies, in, uh, like Reanimator, Puppet Master, uh, the list can just go on. I'm not going to name them all off, but, um, yeah, so the music really almost feels kind of like a full moon movie in a way, or reanimator. I mean, you know, however you want to depict it, but, uh, yeah, no, the music was fine. I, I dug it. I like some, some good old fashion full moons music um and this movie is on voodoo right now for free so if you don't have a copy of this go check out voodoo and if you're not familiar voodoo now shows free movies i'm sure they have ads in it but i mean there may be like 30 second clips and then you're back to the movie so it's it's definitely a useful tool if you want to check out some some movie. I don't know if, if Silent Night Dylan A5 is on there I'll have to look but I know the first one is on there and then if you go to Tubi Tubi TV I think they have Silent Night Dylan Night 2 on there I don't know about the th- I'm not sure about the third one but uh that's another one to check out as uh, Tubi because they got a lot of free movies and a lot of like Shout Factory releases and trauma and full moon it's a great uh 
it's a great app to use if you have a smart device. But, uh, oh, I don't know if I'm repeating myself, but yeah, Voodoo gave it a, a 2.8 out of 5. And that's just from the, the Voodoo users gave it that movie. So it's, I would say it's probably a fair, fair rating. This movie stars Clint Howard and, uh, I was thinking about this earlier is, uh, I want to, I want to know, can anybody tell me a bad movie that Clint Howard has acted in? Like, just like, <clears throat> like, I mean, it could be a bad movie, but like his acting skills, like if someone can name me a bad movie or I mean a movie that he acted bad in, let me know because as far as acting goes, I thought he did a really good job in this movie. And uh, just portraying, like, this derelict guy that uh, it seems like he lives on top of this uh, used bookstore. But, I mean, as, as, as far as, like, the, as far out as this movie is and all the crazy shit that is happening in this movie, I thought his character was, was pretty good. Um, they couldn't have picked a better person to play what he played. But, uh, you know, Clint Howard has played in lots of... Uh, Lots of great B movie type stuff like Ice Cream Man, Ticks, which oh, that's another Brian Usen movie I love is Ticks. Might have to do an episode on that one of these days. That movie, is, it's, I don't know. I, I always like creature feature kind of stuff, and uh, Bugs are are up uh, Usen's alley, and I think he does a pretty good job uh, with that kind of stuff. Um, he's also been in Evil Speak, Leprechaun 2, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, which I have yet to see it, so I'll have to see if, if they're doing, like, flashback clips of him or, or what. Um, he's done, like, Carnosaur. He's done a lot of Rob Zombie movies. Then we go to, um, Kim, played by Neith Hunter. I think that's her name. And to me, she kind of looks like a, a Virginia Madsen ripoff from Candyman. But even though this came out before Candyman, so I can't really call her a ripoff. But her character just, she looks pretty much, I don't know, she just reminds me a lot of Virginia Madsen from the, the Candyman era. But uh, <clears throat> she's been in other movies, too, like uh, Near Dark, Fright Night Part 2, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. So that piques my interest if Clint and in her come back in five. So I'm going to have to definitely watch it soon. Anyways, and then she was also in Carnosaur 2. Or two. And then we move to... What's this guy's name? And then uh, Hank is played by Tommy Hinckley. And Tommy Hinckley has played in... Not a lot of movies, but he's been in, like, Watchers 2, The Terror Within, and nothing really worth mentioning. And then we got uh, Alice Beasley, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, I the whole time seeing her in her in the scenes, she reminded me of, like, uh, Alanis Morissette, like, crackhead Alanis Morissette. <laughs> uh but she's also been in uh like Tommy Knockers and Rumple Stiltskin and uh I didn't really know her name but <clears throat> she did look familiar so I'm like okay I I think I've seen her in Tommy Knockers that's where I think 
uh, or seen the familiarity there. And then we got Regis. <clears throat> God damn, game and talk. Sorry. Then we got Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm series, Wishmaster Bubba Hotep. He played Eli, and Eli was the uh, oh, like the the magazine like director guy. Like he was like the head honcho boss guy. And uh, yeah, so he's he's in it for a little bit. He does a fine job in this movie. I can't really. There's nothing really bad. That he could have done. I mean, his parts were pretty, pretty slim. But uh, I mean, I guess I guess he did what he what he was supposed to be doing. So yeah, um, this video was a straight to video release. I mean, I I can see why. And uh, it didn't get a DVD release till later on, like two thousand nine, and it was like in a three pack with better watch out and then uh sun night daily night five and uh anyways i guess we can get into the movie a little bit more but uh yeah so kim works she's an aspiring journalist she works at the in la um like news like a newspaper i guess like newspaper magazine type type deal i guess it's a newspaper <clears throat> i was thinking it was like a i don't know why i was thinking it was like kind of like a magazine kind of thing but i guess it's a newspaper and uh her boss kind of seems like he's giving the guys all the all the leads and the breaks and and whatnot and and uh doing stories and stuff like that and Oh my gosh, I can't even remember all the the one-liners they were doing, but uh, some of them were really terrible. There's a lot of terrible one-liners, one after another. And, uh... And, uh... So you get some, like, office kind of conversations and whatnot, and then uh, we get to a scene where uh, a woman is, is is discovered dead on the sidewalk, and she's half burnt to ashes from, like, the feet up. And uh, it's apparently caused by spontaneous human combustion, but it's still kind of mysterious. They don't know exactly what's going on. And Kim decides to pursue, pursue the story on her own without her boss's uh, approval. And... Uh, so while she's investigating, she goes to the books, uh, the bookstore where uh, the woman had had jumped off the building, and because uh, she was on fire, and uh, you know, I guess she. I mean, it it just it plays out like maybe she committed suicide because of she was on fire or something, but she ends up like falling off this used bookstore. Off, it's like. I don't know, two, I don't know, three stories or so. I don't know how tall it is, but I mean, it's a pretty tall building to where she'd end up dying from falling, obviously. And uh, she's she's at the bookstore trying to get uh, some research on uh, spontaneous human combustion, and she runs into uh, uh, the bookstore keeper. 
I don't know what her title is, but uh, we later find out her name is FEMA, and she, I guess, runs the bookstore or something. She works there, and uh, she talks to her about, uh, you know, that she's looking for a book about uh, spontaneous human combustion, and then she kind of, they just have a conversation of, uh, oh, so you're doing research on uh, the late, you know, the girl who uh, died and whatnot, and then she later kind of talks, or uh, kind of offers her, like, a book, like, in, and how this whole movie is, like, it's, they make things really awkward, I think, I don't know, because this out of nowhere, she's like, oh, I'm going to offer you this book, you know, just, oh, take it, it's on the house, and Kim's trying to refuse it, and, uh, you know, FEMA really wants her to have the book, and it's a book on feminism and the occult, and, uh, so she ends up taking it, and, uh, FEMA offers her to, uh, to, uh, go out to a picnic with her and her friends, and, uh, so I'm guessing Kim goes along with it, and then, uh, later, uh, Kim is with Hank, which is, uh, Hank and Kim are boyfriends, I don't know if I, boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know if I clarified that earlier, and, uh, Hank works at the books, not bookstore, oh my gosh, um, at the, the newspaper place, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so on Christmas Eve, I guess this is where the Christmas stuff ties in, because on Christmas Eve, Kim goes to Hank's family's Christmas party, or get-together, or whatever, and, uh, they, the dad is, is a, a fucking asshole, and he's always ripping on Kim about, uh, being Jewish, and, uh, Hank's just kind of like, oh, cut it out, Dad, you know. And uh, later, they go back to her apartment, and Kim begins reading that book that FEMA gave her. And then she finds a chapter on the fire of Lilith, and it's depicting a woman engulfing in flames. And uh, so she's reading about that, and uh, come to find out Lilith is FEMA's daughter. And, uh, so this is where the occult is actually happening in a way. Like, I mean, as in that real thing that, uh, we find out later that FEMA is the head of this occult. And, uh, they want to initiate Kim in this ritual. So this is, this is the whole premise of why they're, wanting Kim to to read this book and uh come back to their picnic or you know to go on this picnic with them that uh that they're having and uh and then this is where she meets <clears throat> another character Catherine Harrison and she's a self-described old crone I guess you would say just like an old old bitter lady and then another young lady and then they they tell her about Lilith and uh, Adam's first wife in the spirit of all that crawls. And <clears throat> when I talk about the spirit of all that crawls, that would be what we would find out later is like this worm-looking creature. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty gross. The uh, 
The special effects in this movie, I think, is really what holds this movie together. If it didn't have the special effects it did, I think this movie would would have gotten rated really low because, um, yeah, uh, the special effects is is why I gave it a two. I think I would have probably gave it like a half a star or one if it wasn't for the special effects. But anyways, um, at the at the eye, Eli, which, okay, so the eye is uh, the, the newspaper company place. Like that's what it's called is the eye. And that's where her boss is there and she's angry that Kim is missing work. And, uh, and then, uh, ironically or oddly, he lets her have the, uh, spontaneous combustion story. And, uh, that afternoon, Kim decides to visit FEMA's apartment to ask her more questions about, about what's going on. And, uh, FEMA, uh, serves her some tea, which, uh, makes Kim nauseated. And this is where she kind of goes into, like, a dream state. But apparently it's not really a dream. It's reality. But uh, Kim thinks it's a dream. And uh, while, she's, while she's going into this uh, odd state of mind, uh, FEMA tells Kim about her daughter, Lilith. And then we find, or let's see. I don't know, should I say this now? Um, but then uh, FEMA offers her a date, which is uh, the food a date, and uh, demands that, she, that Kim eats it. And when she does go to eat it, it uh, instead of a date, we see like a roach in her hand. And uh, she still eats it. And then Kim passes out. But uh, I was going to say, I don't know if I'm going to say this now, but we find out later that Lilith... Uh, FEMA's daughter Lilith um, ends up being the girl that jumped off the building with, you know, with this spontaneous combustion, and uh, and uh, but when she goes into the state of mind, she uh, this is like where her body contorts and like she's turning into this worm-looking kind of thing. But it, it just reminds me of society so much. And like her, her feet and legs start molding together, kind of like a mermaid, but it's all this like you know skin and flesh and just like molding together. And her hands, she has her hands together and they they kind of mold together, but then her hands are her fingers are bending the opposite way of what they're supposed to be bending. And uh, oh, it's it's <clears throat> it's really cool watching. Like I, I thought it was it was really interesting watching that you know. Knowing that it's a movie, but I mean, if it was real, that would be some uh, freaky ass shit. But uh, then she wakes up and she's surrounded by uh, the ladies in FEMA's occult, like Jane, Catherine, and Lee. They uh, then they they perform a you know they they kind of surround her and succumb her and uh, they perform a ritual on her. And uh, Ricky. Not, not the same Ricky from uh, the the previous movies, but uh, Clint Howard is um, is is Ricky in this movie, and uh, he plays a part in. He he really looks like a derelict kind of guy, but uh, he's he's kind of working for FEMA. He's he's all in 
in in on this occult in uh, um, um, oh my gosh I hate jumping back and forth I'm sorry but uh, earlier when uh, Kim was doing research she ended up on top of the roof where uh, she had died in uh, or I mean uh, uh, Lilith had died and uh, Ricky's up there and he's like creeping her out and stuff and uh then he pulls out like the worm thing that uh that i was talking about the spirit of all that crawls that thing like it's, it's like a big giant worm and they use this worm in the ritual and stuff like that <clears throat> it was just kind of like a creepy scene i don't know it's kind of a laugh moment too it's like this is how ridiculous this is but uh but uh Anyways, um, they perform the ritual on Kim, and Ricky and Fema slice open a live rat over her, and just the, the rat blood is just pouring all over Kim, and then they insert the giant larva worm into Kim's vagina, and then it emerges from her mouth as like a full-grown, like big-ass cockroach, and it's pretty fucking nasty, but uh really cool effects it's really cool um but it is fucking nasty <laughs> and then uh she vomits it out and that was just kind of it's all slimy and shit and it was oh gross but uh then ricky slices the the creature in half and it, it and he starts or the, the creature starts dripping out its innards all over kim's face and it's all just fucking disgusting dude and then uh and then all of a sudden kim wakes up later fully dressed and she's still in, in uh fema's apartment but then all the the ladies are like oh you know kind of you know it, uh, kim's just kind of like freaking and uh it's like oh it's just you know all the ladies are like oh it's just a dream and stuff like that and then uh kim wasn't having it she just fucking got the hell out of there that she rushes home, she's terrified, and she finds Frank or Hank there, and Hank's dead asleep, and uh, and uh, she's fucking freaking out. She's like going through the medicine cabinets, trying to eat all these pills, like almost like she's trying to kill herself. She's breaking mirrors, um, all sorts of shit, and uh, he ends up calming her down. And I don't know for a minute. I thought maybe like uh like FEMA or like like if it was like the occult was taking over her or if like the worm was still inside her or something because she kind of turns into like uh all lovey on Hank because for a minute she was going psycho and you know you didn't know if she was going to kill him or what I mean she was just going psycho but then all of a sudden she gets all lovey on him and uh Wants to wants uh, Hank to pretend he's sleeping, and then uh, she wants to have sex with him, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of, of freaky shit. But then Ricky enters the apartment and just casually is just sitting on the bed while they're having sex, and he turns on TV and he's watching TV, and then out of nowhere, <laughs> Hank's just like, "What the fuck? Like, get the fuck out of here! Who are you?" and shit like that. And it was a a pretty uh, hilarious comedic relief, com comedy relief. Um, 
That's a great moment. I'm going to have to wrap this up right now because I have to go somewhere. But this next recording, I'll finish up the next part of the story. But I'm going to put it all together. And I might even cut this part out. I don't know. But I will wrap it up right now. And so Hank jumps out of bed and uh, is just like, what the fuck? You know, he's freaking out that uh, Ricky's there or just, you know, some stranger to him. And uh, Ricky's just kind of like in sort of attack mode then and uh, is going after Hank and uh, Ink him. But uh, mainly after Hank because... Hank's trying to hurt him because, I mean, he's a stranger. He's breaking and entering in our house or apartment. So he is trying to find stuff to defend himself. Ricky gets a hold of a knife and stabs him in the legs a couple times. And uh, they're... um, They're kind of... They're kind of going at it for a little while. And uh, while Kim's trying to escape as well but uh then the phone rings and uh it's her friend Janice on the line and uh she she gets there in time to answer the phone and and tells Janice to go call for help and uh or to, or to come help them or whatever because it ends up showing up but before then Ricky stabs the shit out of Hank, and Hank is dead. Uh, it's it's a little bloody mess, and uh, so Hank's there, dead on the floor, and uh, Kim is trying to hide underneath the bed, and uh, Ricky knows that she's there, and uh, she ends or he ends up binding up Kim to a chair, and then Janice comes and. You think maybe Janice is going to be freaked out like any friend would, but she's all calm about it. And she's telling uh, Ricky that, that they, you know, he's made a mess and, and uh, tells Ricky to take Kim straight to FEMA. So from there, you can tell that Janice is in on the cult and, uh, from that moment on because there's no sign of that beforehand but uh yeah so then it ends up they take her to FEMA and uh they actually uh well Ricky locks up Kim in a, a meat locker that's at a meat shop right next door to the bookstore so that's where they're gonna um do a little uh cult initiation again and uh yeah so kim ends up passing out there again and then she kind of has another one of those weird dream scenarios and then uh um she awakens and she's surrounded by the the cult and ricky is wearing like uh I guess like a, like a penis mask. I mean, it's it's like a shitty version of uh, Chris from Slipknot's mask. Like it's just his nose is is the uh, P 
penis looking shape and uh <clears throat> it's really shitty looking but he's sort of naked and uh i guess i mean it's it's a really shitty scene but he ends up raping her i guess is what he's doing but it's just like some silly humping kind of look it's i mean it's a movie it's not like he's really doing it but uh it's it was kind of funny because it's like oh my gosh like that is the shittiest looking <laughs> like quote unquote sex scene and uh and then all of a sudden Kim just reawakens alone in the meat locker and uh her her fingers are all bounded together into like a knot like like her her hands are interlocked together but they're like like this is like where that society stuff comes into is like her her fingers are actually formed like melted together and uh um she she experiences some great pain because of it and like her legs are bound together into like a insect like like tail and it it really resembles um the worm that's in this movie and like how um you know when you see this movie you'll know what i'm talking about this like creepy looking worm thing that um is like formed inside of them kind of like a like it's like some kind of like cult baby kind of thing i don't know how to explain it and uh she passes out again like it's just she's just kind of like in and out like she don't know what's real what's not and i mean it, it mostly i'm assuming has has to do with what's going on with, with the cult um these séances that, that are putting her in and out and then uh um sh she wakes up in the meat locker as uh Joe opens the door and uh um Joe is is uh I believe he was the uh the meat shop owner guy and uh he so he opens up the door he frees her and uh freezes her leg and uh it's like she was like in like some kind of like cocoon like substance like where her legs were and uh and then he he covers her the best that he can because she's butt naked and uh just kind of throws some like just some clothing over her and uh Joe tells her that uh she's been initiated and that she has to go so this isn't like the first time apparently <laughs> That uh, that he knows about some kind of initiating cult seance that goes at his goes on at his meat shop. So that part is really unclear. Like as far as like his involvement in it, I mean, because he has to know about it a little bit for him to just know that oh, you've been initiated. You got to get out of here. It's like he doesn't want anything to do with it, but he knows what's going on there. I don't know. It's that part is really unclear, but, uh, then she leaves, and, uh, Kim brings a, a policeman to her apartment to, to, uh, you know, 
to sh- to show him that uh, Hank's body's there and all this stuff is broken and she takes him back to the apartment to show him and everything is like spick and span like everything is just cleaned up she pretty much sounds like a crazy person to the cop cuz he's like well his body his body was right here um the broken glass in the in the bathroom go look at the broken glass i know there's broken glass she they go there Nothing. I mean, everything is fine. Nothing's broke. And the cop just kind of blows her off as like a loony or something. And uh, so nothing ends up happening. They can't find Hank's body or anything. And uh, so later on, she goes to her office's Christmas party. And Eli, their boss, claims that Hank is away on an assignment. And Janice is there. And... uh, welcomes her to the family as you know as far as like you've been initiated so welcome to the family um so everything everything is acting surreal for kim because everyone is going about their business like oh you know hank's away from the office there's nothing wrong and then janice kind of comes up to her and welcomes her to the family and uh kim's not taking no lightly she storms out she and you know she's confused and uh she storms out of there and uh walks outside she notices Ricky is outside of there like i don't know a block away or so just sitting next to his car waiting and then uh ends up following Kim and uh just to make sure that she wasn't doing anything stupid and uh so he's chasing her she knows that he's chasing her, and uh, all of a sudden, her feet begin to to get really hot, and uh, it starts looking like uh, um um uh, what's her name? Lilith's legs, the la- the uh, the lady that uh, committed suicide and uh, was lit on fire by spontaneous combustion. Well. She's starting to get the same thing happening to where her alert, her uh, feet are starting to burst into tiny little flames. Her feet are starting to look like charred, sort of like like uh, how the other girls were. She jumps in the shower and is, is trying to put out the fire, and it's not happening. Ricky and uh, he tells Kim that the only way to stop it is to to listen to uh, FEMA. And it's it's just, it's unbearably painful to Kim, so she agrees to go along with it. And what they needed to do was uh, kidnap Hank's teenage brother Lonnie to complete the initiation. They have to sacrifice him, basically, is what it comes down to. And so Kim lures Lonnie, the little brother, out of the house. Ricky ends up going in the house as well but kills Hank's parents and uh he strangles them with christmas lights and then he sets the house on fire <laughs> and then they escape and then we finally get to towards the end where uh they're back onto the bookshelf uh not bookshelf but the bookstore's roof and uh Kim is asked to stab Lonnie she, you know, as much as she has to do it, 
she she couldn't she couldn't bring herself to do it. So she ends up stabbing FEMA, and F- FEMA's pissed about it, you know, because that's not how it was supposed to go. She pulls out the knife, and then uh, stabs Ricky, and then uh, a giant larva is feeding on Ricky, and uh, he ends up. Uh, not making it as, as what it looks like. But uh then Kim's legs begin hot to get hot. They're gonna be catching on fire and whatnot. And then uh Kim's hands knot themselves together. It's almost like she's forming into the worm lava kind of thing. I don't know. But uh uh so it's it starts bursting into flames. Then uh, Kim stabs her fused hands into FEMA's wound, and supposedly that that moves um, moves the curse into FEMA, and then uh, uh, it, it it transfers into FEMA, and uh, FEMA dives off the roof and dies just the same way her daughter had died and uh that that seems to be the end of the movie now in uh silent night daily night five i haven't really watched the whole thing yet but apparently clint howard and uh neath hunter are back in the the fifth one and i don't know if they're playing the same characters or or not i no idea, so makes me wonder if they're back in the fifth one. I don't think maybe Ricky dies because you know maybe once that curse got passed to to FEMA that you know he his his part of the deal must have went away too. I mean this is just all speculation, but uh um that's just how it how it uh you know because otherwise. I don't know, unless they're going to do a completely uh, Halloween 3 on the fifth one too and has nothing to do with, with the sequels or if this is sort of a direct sequel from the fourth one. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I'll have to watch the the fifth one. But, uh, yeah, um, that that's going to be the end of the episode. Uh, thanks for, for listening, and hopefully everybody has a great holiday weekend and um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and, uh, just drive safe out there, and, uh, um, if you'd like to hear more of the, of the Root Horror Podcast, you can find us at, uh, Root Horror Podcast on Instagram, and we're on most of the podcast platforms, um, otherwise you can go to our direct, like, home home site i guess i would say it's uh anchor.fm slash root horror podcast and that's where if you go there you can send me even like uh video messages if you have any questions or any feedback on the podcast you can you can do so there and then it'll also give you links on like how to how to uh, listen to us on spotify and uh like google Podcasts, stitcher i think but uh you know, if if you're listening to like we're not on iTunes quite yet, but we're on uh we're on most of the other ones. 
and uh yeah so if you want to hit us up on like instagram or just send us some messages on uh, the anchor app you can um but that's about it we're gonna wrap this up and uh um oh uh the next episode is uh it's gonna be um i think i'm gonna release it on christmas day i was trying to do release it today but uh i uh have been so busy with the holidays i uh i thought i was gonna be able to wrap this up a lot sooner than uh christmas eve but it's gonna have to drop christmas eve but uh tomorrow i'm gonna be releasing the uh jimmy dempster episode where i talk to film actor jimmy dempster and talk about some of his upcoming releases his his uh new short film and uh just some other stuff so uh go check that out as well uh, it was a fun episode to do. And, uh, yeah, we will see you or hear from you guys next time or whatever. <laughs> Later, guys. Hey, guys. Just want to thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us ideas to talk about or just general feedback at rudehorror at gmail.com or direct message us at Podcast on Instagram. Thank you. You have been listening to the Root Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe. If you dare. <laughs>